Welcome to Discovering the Jewish Jesus with Rabbi Schneider. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and for the next 25 minutes, we're going to be learning about the gentle nature of God. We've all been yelled at a time or two, and sometimes a lot more, by our parents or friends, our spouse or other loved ones. But when someone continually berates us, our ability to trust, it's often damaged. And the fallout of our earthly relationships can sometimes be wrongfully projected onto our view of God. And that's why Rabbi Schneider is going to remind us about God's gentle nature. And if you'd like to download the study notes for this series on Messianic prophecy, make sure to go online to discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And now, here is Rabbi Schneider. We are presently at this stage in our journey down the road of messianic prophecy. We're looking at predictive prophecy. We're not looking at types and shadows. We're looking at specific prophecies that were in the Hebrew Bible that were scientifically, historically, visibly already fulfilled through Messiah Jesus. And then we're gonna also get into some future prophecies that we're waiting yet to see fulfilled. But I wanna go back and just briefly review some of the prophecies that have been fulfilled. We look, for example, the Hebrew scriptures revealed that Messiah would be eternal, that he's not just a man, he is the Son of God. He is God himself clothed in humanity. As the Hebrew prophet said, his goings forth are from long ago or from everlasting. So the Hebrew Bible specifically revealed the nature of Messiah, that he would be eternal. Now, why is this important? Because in traditional Judaism today, the fact that Messiah is eternal is not taught. Rather, what traditional Judaism believes is that the Messiah would just be a man, although a highly anointed man, and that there is potentially a Messiah in every generation. This is rabbinic teaching, and it depends upon the behavior of the Jewish people, whether the potential Messiah in every generation will in fact be revealed as the Messiah. And so rabbinic Judaism's view of the Messiah is not that he's eternal, but rather that he's just a man that's highly anointed. But we believe that the Hebrew scriptures taught that the Messiah would be more than just an ordinary man, that his goings forth would have been from everlasting, and that he is in fact eternal. And then we taught that Messiah in the Hebrew Bible is referred to as Emmanuel, meaning God with us, or specifically, with us is God. I love that. The Hebrew title of the Messiah, Emmanuel, is actually translated literally, with us is God. And so we read in the Hebrew prophet, that his name shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. And of course, we see this fulfilled in the Gospels. We taught about that divine synchronicity between the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. And then we taught that Messiah is actually called or revealed as the Son of God in the Tanakh or in the Hebrew Bible. 
Then we traced Yeshua's genealogy from Abraham through the whole line of uh, Isaac and Jacob and eventually coming through the tribe of Judah and being the offspring of David. Messiah is going to come from the line of David. So we traced his genealogy from the very beginning, showing how the Hebrew Bible gave us insight as to when Messiah would arise, how we would know he is the one by knowing his genealogy, where he would come from. And then we looked at the fact that Messiah would come into the world through a supernatural birth. And we talked about this whole concept of supernatural births rooted in the Torah or in the Tanakh. We look, for example, at Abraham impregnating his wife, Sarah, when Abraham was 100 years old and she was 90. And it was a scientific impossibility. This is why in the book of Bereshit, Genesis chapter 17 and 18, where the Lord reveals to Abraham that that his wife's going to conceive. When his wife, Sarah, heard about it, she laughed. And the Lord said, why did she laugh? Is anything too difficult? Is anything impossible for God? And so when we look at the forefather of all believers, Avraham, and the one that is called the first Jew, Abraham, we see that his progression, his genealogy happens supernaturally, meaning the genealogy going forward I'm referring to now, that his son was brought into the world supernaturally because Sarah conceived when she was past the age of childbearing. And so we saw how this prophecy, if you will, this prophetic insight into the road that Yeshua would come into the world through was ultimately fulfilled when the most unique supernatural birth of all took place when Miriam, her Hebrew name, or Mary, conceived supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. So this is beyond just conceiving at age 90. She was still a young woman, but she conceived without ever having sexual relations with the man. And then we read in the book of Daniel chapter 9, the prophecy that many see as given the time at which Messiah would come. In Daniel 9, we see that Messiah would come into the world before the destruction of the second temple. And then we continued by seeing where he would be born, that the Hebrew Bible specifically tells us that he would come from the town of Bethlehem. And all these scriptures, beloved, we see fulfilled in the Brichada Shah, a scientific impossibility that all these scriptures, many of them already known to be messianic prophecies, Yeshua fulfilled historically in literal time and literal space. And then we read in the Hebrew Bible, in the book of Malachi, that Yeshua or the Messiah's coming into the earth would be preceded by a messenger. The Lord said that before he sent Messiah, before he sent his messenger, he would be preceded, the messenger would be preceded by Elijah. And so when Yeshua walked upon the earth, the rabbinic teachers and scholars came up to Jesus and his disciples and said, if you're the Messiah, where's Elijah? Because our prophets told us that before Messiah came, Elijah would come first. And Jesus said, John the Baptist, Yochanan, we say in Hebrew, the immerser is Elijah, if you can receive it. You see, at the end of the day, we have to understand that there's only one way 
to correctly interpret messianic prophecy, and that's through the lens of the Lord. It's through the eyes of God. And so if God says that this particular prophecy is fulfilled in Yeshua, whether we thought it would be fulfilled in the way that it was fulfilled or not, we have to step back and say, God knew what he meant when he said that Elijah would come before Messiah. And he knew what he meant when he said, John the Baptist is Elijah who was to come. And so my point is, is that sometimes when the New Testament writers made claims that Yeshua had fulfilled a certain prophecy in the Hebrew Bible or the Tanakh, those that were alive at the time that had rejected Yeshua argued that Yeshua had not in fact fulfilled the messianic prophecy. They said, well, that's not what that messianic prophecy meant, or Yeshua didn't fulfill the messianic prophecy in the way that we understood that the Messiah would fulfill the messianic prophecy. But at the end of the day, when Father God gave the messianic prophecy to the writers of scriptures, he knew what he meant when he had the prophet write it down and when he gave the prophet the words of information to write, Father knew that the way that the scripture was going to be fulfilled was in Yeshua. In other words, all scripture needs to be interpreted through the lens of Yeshua and the Brichadashah, the New Testament, because Yeshua is the fulfillment of it all. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, and Rabbi will be right back. As a Christian, I've always believed that rainbow represented God's promise. But then it also makes you think about pride. We are just kind of numb to seeing the rainbow being used for the LGBTQ movement. Christians need to stand up for the truth. Because it means so much more. We do need to take a stand as a church. Let's take the rainbow back. Join the movement. Go to takingtherainbowback.com. Just as this program has been a blessing to you, you can multiply the blessing with others. It's simple when you become a monthly partner. Give a financial gift of any amount today or set up your monthly automated gift by calling this number 800-777-7835. That's 800-777-7835. Or you can visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com when you give your equipping others for Jesus' return. And now, here is Rabbi Schneider. So even though some prophecy may not have been fulfilled like the Hebrew writers expected, or sometimes the New Testament took out a portion from the Hebrew Bible and said Yeshua had fulfilled it, even though the writers of the Hebrew Bible, or those I should say rather, that read the Hebrew Scriptures during the time of Yeshua weren't expecting a prophecy to be fulfilled. For example, how Matthew said concerning Jesus, out of Egypt did I call my son. Because remember, the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph, Yeshua's father, and said, take the child to Egypt, because Herod was putting the male Hebrew children to death. And then after Herod had passed away, the angel again spoke to Joseph and said, take the child out of Egypt and bring him back to Israel. So Matthew quotes this scripture, out of Egypt did I call my son, take it from the book of Hosea, and applies it to Jesus and says Jesus fulfilled the prophecy because Jesus was in Egypt with Joseph. And when Herod had passed, he brought Yeshua out of Egypt 
back into Israel. But upon first reading in the book of Hosea, when you read out of Egypt did I call my son, in the original context, it didn't appear that that was actually a prophecy pertaining to something in the future. It seemed to be just a historical note that the Lord was speaking about in referring to Israel, that out of Egypt did he bring his people Israel. My point is, beloved one, that messianic prophecy ultimately has to be understood through the lens of Father God and the New Testament writers, regardless of what anybody thought the prophecy meant or didn't mean at other times in history. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of Scripture. We read in the Hebrew Bible, this is really important, that Messiah would enter Jerusalem seated on a donkey. So I'm going to read from the Hebrew prophet Zechariah. I'm reading Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the king is coming. Behold, the prophet prophesies, your king is coming to you, mounted on a donkey. And so we read in the New Testament, Yeshua is being led into Jerusalem on a donkey. I'm reading from the book of Matthew. We're going to read a little bit of a lengthy section of scripture, but I want you to get this. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of God. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And so what is Matthew referring to here? He's referring to the passage in Zechariah that I just read. And so Matthew continues once again. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, here we go, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And then he continues on to elaborate. And then in verse nine, he says, the crowds going ahead of him and those who follow were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so this is really a remarkable insight into the nature of God. First of all, we've seen fulfillment of messianic prophecy. That alone should solidify your faith in Jesus, that he's not one of many. He's not a Messiah that might be good for you, but he's not necessarily the savior of people that live in other parts of the world that have grown up with different religions. No, the claims of Yeshua are exclusive. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. God gave us these messianic prophecies to solidify and secure our faith in the only begotten Son of God. There is no other way into heaven by which men could be saved. But I also want you to see insight into this text we're looking at here. I want you to gain insight into the nature of God and of Mashiach, of Messiah. How did he enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey? 
a beast of burden. He came in humble. He didn't come in like a king. He didn't come in with a lot of pomp. He came in, the Bible says, gentle and humble, mounted on a donkey. It's an amazing thing to realize and to seek to comprehend in a greater way that God, the all-powerful God, the one that has been from everlasting, the one that has always been, the one that could do anything he wants to do and no one can stop him or tie his hands, he is gentle and humble of heart. Yeshua said, learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your souls. Yeshua said, humble yourself and you will be exalted. Jesus himself is gentle and humble. And so he comes into Jerusalem mounted on a donkey, a beast of burden, revealing the humble and the gentle nature of God. That the God of the universe, the eternal God, has put himself in a position that you and I can touch his heart. That when you and I choose to love him, when you and I choose to love Jesus, when you and I choose to sacrifice and choose to follow Jesus even when it hurts, it moves the heart of God. He's touched by our feelings. He's touched by our love. We can actually add to his happiness when we choose to please him and love him. Even though God is complete and needs nothing, there's a mystery here that he gets joy when you and I love him. The Bible says that all the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. God is moved, beloved ones, by our love. Why? Because he's gentle and humble and has voluntarily put himself in a position. The all-powerful God has stooped down low and put himself in a position where you and I can touch him. We can make him weep. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. We see that when all the people were weeping because Lazarus had died, it says that Jesus wept. We can either move him, beloved, to joy, or we can grieve the Holy Spirit and cause sadness in his heart. That is God's genius in creating you and I in his own image. We can touch this humble one, this gentle one that rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The question is, what will you do? Will you humble yourself too? Will we pull back and disconnect from everything that is causing us to be separated from the Lord? And will we say, Jesus, I wanna love you. I wanna touch your heart. I wanna put you first. I wanna do whatever I need to do so that you can experience my love and that we can be united together. Father God, prepare me to meet Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb and help me to walk with humility in gentleness of spirit, full of mercy and full of peace.
You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, and Rabbi has been talking about the gentle nature of God. If you'd like to listen to this message again, or you want to share it with a friend, let me invite you to visit us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And also on our website, you'll be able to subscribe to our daily podcast or stream any of the programs that you may have missed. And you can catch up on Rabbi's latest books, articles, and study guides. We have lots of messianic content, and it's going to help you navigate your faith walk. And on the website, you can learn about all the different ways that you can partner with us this year. And to share a little bit more about that right now, here is Rabbi once again. Beloved, when I examine myself under the light of God's Spirit, I'm challenged by the life of Abraham. Abraham entered into the fullness of God's blessing by surrendering Isaac, whom the scriptures call his only son. What a total act of surrender and sacrifice. What that teaches me is if I'm gonna enter into the fullness of what God has for me, I also need to live a surrendered lifestyle. The rubber meets the road oftentimes in this area with our finances. Many of God's children are not fully surrendered to Him in the area of their finances. Beloved, let's trust Him. Let's honor Him. And let's give Him what is due from the first fruits of our wealth. At the very core of everything that we do is Rabbi's commitment to teach biblical truth. And his unique insights into the Old and New Testaments bring clarity to God's Word, which helps us understand the gentle nature of God and Messianic prophecy better. And in turn, we can share those truths with the world. But we can't do it without you and without your giving. If you want to help, you can automate your monthly giving online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or you can give a gift of any amount today by calling 800-777-7835. Discovering the Jewish Jesus is broadcasting in almost every country around the world through television and radio. And as a token of our appreciation for your generosity, we'll send you Rabbi Schneider's Message of the Month and it's available as a digital download. Download. And then for our new monthly partners, we have an additional token of gratitude, an authentic handcrafted shofar that's made in Israel. Make sure to get yours today. And before we wrap up today's message, don't forget that this weekend we'll be out in force sharing God's love and the true meaning of the rainbow with people all over the United States. And we would love for you to join with us. To share your videos, photos, and stories from this weekend afterward, make sure to visit Taking the Rainbow Back. Com. You can also connect with us on our main website at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And if you'd like to share your photos or your stories the old-fashioned way, then you can send them to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. And we look forward to spending the weekend with you and your family or your church family. And now to wrap up today's study from our series on Messianic Prophecy, with a special blessing, here is Rabbi Schneider. What I love about the ironic blessing is that it did not originate with man. The words actually proceeded from the very essence of God himself. The blessing comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. 
So listen to these words and receive the blessing of the Lord into your life today. Yahweh, 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 The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up with his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a production of Shalom Ministries. Make sure to join us next time when Rabbi Schneider talks about the rejected Messiah. Be listening Wednesday to Discovering the Jewish Jesus.